Life's better with American Family Insurance because our home policies help protect your dreams and come with peace of mind. Save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote, find an agent at amfam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit Amfem.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. This week's major spoilers podcast goes out to, wait, is it the weekend type edition? Oh, wait, it is. Goes out to Andrea Orth. Ryan Smodek and Russ Cat, who together, Smodek, Orth, and Cat, actually sound like characters from Star Trek Deep Space Nine. And I, you know, I imagine, da, 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 and then the thing flying across the sky and you see Spock's face and then, and all like that. And this show goes out to them. Major Spoilers theme song! The Major Spoilers Podcast is on the air. Pod- on, on the air. The Major Spoilers Podcast is on the air. On the air. Pod, pod, podcast. I'm Matthew. I'm Rodrigo. And I'm Stephen. Have you listening to the Major Spoilers Podcast? 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 The Major Spoilers Podcast is on the air. <laughs> Hey everyone, welcome to issue 385 of Major Spoilers Podcast. So glad you could join us this time. <laughs> Listener writes in, I've been listening to your show for about nine months. I've caught up with all of the critical hit, thank you. And I'm frantically burning through all of the Major Spoilers Podcasts. I've been interested in comics for the longest time, but never knew what, where I should start. During the Christmas holiday, I went to my local comic book store and picked up the first volume of Atomic Robo because you guys give it such glowing reviews. And I absolutely love it. And now I've bought all the volumes that are are currently available. My question, though, is about Hellboy. I thought the movies were okay, and I think that it's the kind of story that I would be into, but I still have no idea where to start. Rodrigo, do you know, or maybe the rest of the crew, have any idea where I should start reading this Hell boy. Thanks so much for great podcasts. And thank you for giving me a push. I need to get out of my local comic book shop or get out to my local comic book shop and spend some money. Rodrigo, what about uh, Hellboy? Yeah. You, you've been the, buying up all the Hellboy volumes that you can get your, your mitts on. I have, um, uh, Hellboy seat of destruction is the first volume of Hellboy. So I would, I would, uh, I would recommend starting there, certainly. Um, that's going to give you all the background you need on Hellboy. Each volume does a little bit of a recap, but Hellboy, uh, each volume also does some time skips, sometimes mm-hmm. going backwards in time for mm-hmm. different volumes. So that can get a little bit confusing. I would say if you want to read Hellboy, pick up Seed of Destruction. Um, that's, that's, the, that's the first volume. Yeah, that's the first volume. And that one... You know, that sets up everything you need to know about the Hellboy universe. Um, it is portions of it are spelled out in the first Hellboy movie. So some of it you'll be familiar with. Um, if you've already picked up Seed of Destruction, you could skip to the Chain Coffin and others. Um, but again, once you get into that third volume or the, the library edition, uh, volume two or volume three of the uh, library editions, you're really starting to get continuity mismatches, meaning that there's yeah. going to be events that happen in Hellboy Wake the Devil, which 
is a really good volume, volume two, uh, that yeah. will have an impact later on and say Hellboy Conqueror Worm. Now I'm just throwing out some titles there. Um, but that's, you know, kind of mm-hmm. how the Hellboy universe works. It's really each volume is based on the idea that you've read the, the volume before. Matthew, is that kind of your interpretation of Hellboy? I know you're one of those people that really believes you don't have to jump into, you can jump into anywhere. You don't have to start with volume one. Correct. Starting with volume one is often a problem because volume one is very seldom the best of the story. Um, I honestly, I know, I know, well, to quote Bruce Campbell, there are two things I know about Hellboy, Jack and S word, but I've seen the movie and I would say that, you know, anything that is written and drawn by Mike Mignola, good place to start. You got the original creator on both sides of it. So you don't have to get used to anything. So I would say Seed of Destruction is as good a place to start as any, but you know, in pretty much anything where you go, hey, you know, is this something? You know, flip through it at the library and say, oh, this might catch my attention. Read it, mm-hmm. and go, and then you know, figure it out after the fact. Piece it together in your brain. Um, Rodrigo, you've been buying the individual trades, or have you been picking up the library editions? No, I've been buying individual trades. Okay. I, I uh, bought the individual trades for a long time and the individual issues for a long time, and now I'm starting to move into the library v- editions just because they're so nicely bound mm-hmm. and it's a bigger um, page than what you find in the nor- normal comic book size. It's Those volumes are really nice, but they're also really pricey. So go for the trade paperbacks. Oh, sure. And, uh, you know, yeah, the trades the trades are pretty good. I would – I um. See the 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 volume that I got of Seed of Destruction. I think this. I, I think I've heard other people complain about it. I think the binding is Fell weird apart on, on it. Yeah. And, yeah. Um. So I don't know if that's been fixed in in future editions that were printed, but um, you know there is that issue potentially. But that's an issue with any trade paperback you pick up potentially. All right. Anything else, Matthew? That you want to oh, add? All right. Mm, those aren't goggles. <laughs> they're not. Yeah, you're right. They're not goggles. Uh, Rodrigo, why? Here's a question for you. Why are boys action figures much more posable than girls dolls like Barbie? Why does she have so few points of articulation? And G.I. Joe has like a million million points of art- articulation. You know, I'm 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 not entirely sure, but I you know it's it's something that I've been thinking about a lot recently, especially um, with with this new uh, wave of My Little Ponies coming out. And I'm like, you know, My Little Pony is is a pretty iconic girls' toy, right? And they have exactly zero articulation. You know, they're horses. They're you know you you think clearly as a man. Yeah. Um, they're, they're meant to, to run around and stuff, but they're actually not, you know, what you do with, what girls do with my little ponies is sit them there and then they, you know, comb their manes and their tails and stuff. Right. I, I think it's just, uh, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, isn't that then the same way with Barbie? I mean, you dress her up, you can pose her in a few poses, uh-huh. but you just dress her up and comb her hair. I, I mean, I don't know. It's been right. a while since I've watched my sister play with dolls, you know, almost 30 years. And uh, my boys uh, are boys and uh, don't play with the Barbies. 
But, I mean, that seems to be what I remember from my sister. She'd dress him up and sit him down and have a tea party, and that was it. Mm-hmm. Matthew, is that kind of how you perceive it? I, I mean, you've got a lot of sisters. Mm-hmm. And, I've got, like, three or four, depending on how you count. <laughs> I think that, to some degree, I think the points of articulation, well... Up to a point. There's a ridiculousness of articulation that sometimes yeah. comes out. But when I was a kid, I think that the points of articulation were things like to to engage in a really sweeping, inappropriate, probably sexist generalization. Mm-hmm. I feel like that there's more of a imaginary creative aspect to the traditional female toys. The imagine, you know, right. what we do or what we could do. And these are, you know, these are these are the accoutrements or the costumes or the things and the stuff, but it's it's all going to be in our head. Whereas the boys, we're blowing crap up with M80s and so girls you know, have... GI Joe with kung fu grip quickly becomes GI Joe with missing torso. You know, so girls have better imaginations that, than boys. Is that what you're saying? I said different. I didn't oh, say okay. better. Well, and there's also the fact that a lot of times, you know, there is inherent sexism in the way toys oh, are sure. marketed, presented, and created. Sure. Um, if you ever walk down the girl's toy aisle with its vomitous wave of pink and purple, you'll yep. know that. But also, there, you know, there are differences to the way that children play, even at young ages. And it's not necessarily going to be based on gender, but I think that what it, what it really breaks down to for me is – when you are, and this is again another vague generalization, when you're a young boy, you imagine that you're secretly Spider-Man and, and that you're going to put on your mask and swing around and do junk. Now, but young girls do this too. Please don't get me wrong. And I think that the, the stereotypical young girl thing is that you're secretly a princess and your real family is going to sweep in and take <laughs> you away from your horrible life. <laughs> so it, it's a it's a kind of a different perspective, and again, these are really really obnoxious gender biases, right? And you know, I'm not saying that that they are correct, that they're universal, or that they're in any way you know anything other than my perception of what we see. But I think that when you break down these stereotypes and you say why do these happen sometimes, I think it's because of that difference in expectation of Clark Kent tweaking you know lois lane's nose because she ha ha she doesn't realize i'm secretly superman mm-hmm. and you know uh, you know princess bubble yum uh, being being swept away and her evil stepmother chopped up into bits and put in a sioux although that may be titus andronicus now that i think about it well you were mm. talking both of you were so, talking about some sexism in uh, in action figures is it is it odd mm. that we have and i don't know if you know about the t-joint and the v-joint in the waist and the legs on mm-hmm. female characters, the legs and mm-hmm. the the waist, you know, where the legs connect to the to the hip, uh, form a V. Mm-hmm. And so, as you move the legs up, there's only one way that they can move up, and that is to spread out like a giant V. Uh, and then, but right. for male characters, you've got a T joint where basically you have the waist is the top of the T, and then the the crotch area is the 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 leg of the T, and then uh, or yeah, and then the two mm-hmm. legs attached to the sides there, and so you can move the legs up and down into a more convenient sitting mm-hmm. position. Is that weird? Right. Is that weird? I guess I've always thought that weird. that was I, weird. I I think of that more as uh, an, a mechanical limitation of trying to 
you know, mimic what is believed to be the standard male to female anatomy. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, if you look at, say, a Barbie doll with the V joint legs right. that if you pull them up, they'll actually be behind her ears. Right. I don't think that's intentionally to try and, you know, send any subtle messages. I think that is, you know, that's Mattel working with, you know, 50 year old technology to try and get that the the female waist and hip ratio, I guess, or, you know, the construction of that. And I use air quotes very strongly here. That <laughs> ideal, <laughs> you know, that that style that they're looking for. Mm-hmm. But if you look at, you know, female action figures like the Saturn girl that I have in the uh, DC Universe Legion of Superheroes set right. that you got me. She doesn't even, she does, her legs awesome, don't even. Thanks. Yeah, you're welcome. But Her legs it, don't even move, you know, do they? Because she's where got the molded at. skirt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But they do move a little bit. And under that skirt is the same T-joint legs that all the boy figures oh, have, okay. except for Invisible Kid. Right. Um, <laughs> but also, I think that, you know, it, 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 may be, it, it, it may be kind of a shorthand. Again, that thing of, are we expecting somebody to pose and play with and smash and throw and blow up the toy are we expecting them to you know do something different barbie's dream house was always fascinating because i would always have you know big fights and and (laughs) things and at one point my daughter had this toy castle that was basically a barbie house right and we had filled it with all sorts of you know toys and things and at one point she um she had her princesses and they were they were having their little tea party but they were locked in the jail cell <laughs> they so were being the held hostage by the gi joes yeah. no they locked themselves in the in there so that the turtle boys the teenage mutant ninja action figures that were climbing all over the the balustrades and you know leaping around and doing their stupid thing couldn't get involved and ruin the tea party ah and then we had fun playing you know we played with the turtle boys and had them fight and fight and fight but then we also had the girls safely away from those stupid boys. Yeah. So, you know, I, I, I well, think and, that, you know, going back to the going back to the, the points of articulation issue that that I think is largely the reason why. Obviously, at this point, finally, the toy industry is kind of listening and saying, what do people want out of these toys as opposed to look? I made something that looks like a boat. How can we sell this kind of stuff? Although that still happens to a certain degree. And I think that young girls are more interested in those relationships that their toys are having either with them or with each other. So the points of articulation aren't that important. Um, I think for boys, the important thing is the action. So it's frustrating when you want to take your He-Man and put him on his tiger and then put that tiger on top of the Dino Riders, Tyrannosaurus Rex, and then put that Tyrannosaurus Rex on top of the Millennium Falcon so they can all crash into um, <laughs> Skeletor's Tower together. And That's a they mighty don't... specific example right there. I'm just saying <laughs> that it can be frustrating if there aren't enough points of articulation to make this all happen. Well... <laughs> and you end up dropping everything and your grandma's all like, stop making noise! <laughs> well, I, I'm I'm curious. I mean, are points of articulation that important? And again, I could I guess it depends on what age group you're targeting. I picked up um uh, this weekend just because I think it's an awesome sculpt, the World of Warcraft Moonkin Wild Moon figure. It's a premium series four figure. It basically has four points of articulation, the two legs and the two arms, but it is not meant to be posed. It's 
in the pose, and this right. is, a, I think, a problem with a lot of, of um, really McFarlane toys, even though this isn't by McFarlane, um, sure, sure. where there is no posability. Yes, there are points where the joints, you know, where the arms were attached to the body, but that's it. It's supposed to stay in that position. Have fun. Is, Good luck. Yeah. There, there's a statue aspect of that, too. You know, uh, some of the most fun I've had recently with uh, toys are for my birthday this year. Somebody gave me a bunch of the little DC micro figures. Mm-hmm. What is it? The DC Universe things. I got yeah. like a Sinestro. Yeah. And, you know, I got a, uh, a Starfire and. Yeah, there were like several two packs, but <laughs> you can't uh, prove not, that. <laughs> and, and none of them are actually dead. But in any case, we have uh, I was playing with these characters and we were, you know, we were playing going la, 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 la and hopping around. They have four points of articulation. Right. Well, four and a half, maybe. And they were kind of fun. But, you know, you kind of run into that same problem of. They run and they they smash and they fly and they do stuff. And sometimes in the case of Raven and Starfire, they start making out. Um, I I should not be allowed to have toys. I really should. <laughs> but, you know, you're playing with this. And four points is enough. Back in the day, I used to, at Gatekeeper, I we had a big case. It was called the donut case. Mm-hmm. And the reason why is it used to be a donut case. And it would be filled with, you know, statues and things. And there was some dead space that I filled with various action figures and and did what was called action figure theater. And I found that, you know, the characters were more fun the more articulated they were. But they were also a huge pain in the butt. Right. After a certain level. The Marvel Masterpieces Colossus has like 97 uh different points of articulation including this weird hinge in his chest so that he can bend forward and mm-hmm. back mm-hmm. he would fall over no matter what position you put him in yeah you i mean you literally have to tape his limbs in place whereas um another star of the action figure theater was uh alley cat which was i believe a mcfarland figures thing had four points of articulation if you so much as breathed on any of them she would fall right over right I found that ideal point is, I think, uh, Jack's Pacific's uh, uh, WWE action figures have like 14, 12 to 14 points of articulation, just enough to have them stand straight or do what you want them to do. You know, they could they could do the head spins and they could do the the jokes that we needed to do with the, the break dancing and the hanging from a thread, whatever it is. But they weren't so articulated that it was ridiculous. My hatred are hinges in the hands as far as have you the, seen the, these the, the wrist or the oh where the hands can actually open and close in the actual hand um you remember that iron man figure we picked out a couple years ago where you're like i don't even know what it looks like yes you do which one there's a I'm hinge sure. in in his hand is that the is that the mark <laughs> the silver II? centurion which one is that marks mark six <laughs> <So. laughs> the ba- the back of his hand you know whatever you call the back of the palm of your hand the back of the hand has a hinge in it and his fingers are curved. Right. And so these curved fingers are a solid piece, but they right. hinge. Yeah. So you can, you know, you can turn his hand into a crude fist. Right. That hinge broke about 12 seconds later. Oh. And hinges in the hands tend to break. Um, I have an, a madman action figure with hinges in his feet. So that you can oh. actually stand him on, you know, on the balls of his feet or leaning back or leaping through the air. 
And the hinges in the feet are problematic because those started breaking immediately. I, I don't like hinges I in the I think what feet. it comes down to hinges in the feet, hinges in the hands, and that weird, that weird, you know, ball joint hinge thing in the middle of the chest or yeah. right at the rib cage. Yeah. That's too much for me. You don't need that kind of posability. I mean, yeah, it's great. If you go into Gatekeeper somewhere in the store, and I'm not telling you where, you will find a Mark I Silver Iron Man figure. And that's a Silver about Centurion About to one? jump off of something. Yeah, about to <laughs> jump off something. Both of his hands are up in the Superfly Snooka hand signal. Yeah. If you're familiar with this from wrestling. You'll have to find him because he's he's not particularly well hidden. But he's about to do a Superfly splash down onto something. Nobody ever sees this. It's great that you can do that, yeah. but that figure is completely useless for, you know, playing. Oh, him. sure. If you well, played with him, he would fall to pieces. And that's that's the problem. And so question for you, Rodrigo, do you like your action figures with more or less articulation and why? I think I think like Matthew was saying, there's a there's a sweet spot somewhere along the way. I remember um that uh and I think it is the Marvel either the Marvel masterpieces whatever um yeah. Iron Fist oh yeah like yeah the one that, that I have that guy you can't you can't stand him up he's yeah. he's too jointy yeah you know but there is there is somewhere in the middle somewhere that is uh somewhere that will be good I think that you know there's there's been a few series of the McFarland toys that are pretty good about it where they've got joints their biggest problem is a they have really improbable anatomies and that makes it difficult to stand them off but if you're playing with them then it's not a that's not a huge deal um and then the other thing is just kind of the you know uh, when you have an action figure that from a character that looks a certain way sometimes that's very difficult to translate and also make for a posable action figure. For example, um, Steven was nice enough to give me pretty much all of his uh, world's finest... Um, which I'm going to get... Uh, oh, the action figures? Yeah, the action figures, like the Superman, uh, the Superman, Batman, Public Enemies line. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm talking about with the yeah, Hawkman yeah, yeah. and the Captain oh, yeah, Marvel yeah, yeah. and stuff. Yeah, 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 I know what those, you're talking Those guys have, have you know, joints everywhere that they should the problem is they are basically they they look like the comic book versions of them which Mm -hmm. are mechanically impossible so Mm -hmm. yes you can post them as long as the only thing that superman ever says is do you have tickets for the gun show (laughs) that is hello hello superman are we still being haunted by the superhero community i don't know let's check over there you know well i you know i going back to why are boy and girl toys different i don't know uh you know i'm sure it kind of goes back to matthew's theory of just the way that imagination and accessories are played out uh as far as more articulation or less articulation man i love that iron fist figure that i have but it's got the hinged hands and the hinged feet and you cannot get iron uh iron fist to stand up correctly and it makes me angry However, more articulation means more creativity with your figures, and I would point everyone to, uh, to the online interwebs. Iron Man versus Bruce Lee by Patrick Boivin, I think is how you pronounce his name. He is uh, from France. It is a terrific stop-motion animation done with a Bruce Lee and Iron yeah, Man uh, yes. action figures. 
and it, it's wonderful. And so there certainly are some advantages to not having to go out and build your own, you know, armature with the, you know, with all the joints that you need when you have a really good uh, figure that way. Or even a legature. I mean, geez, yeah. that would take forever. Yep. Um, the, the minifigs, the ones yeah, Lego minifigs. This is a, a, it's a, a red tornado. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. These are the, uh, these are the mini mates. These are mini mates. Yeah. You can pretty much make him do anything that he needs to do, but he's still playable and he's still, you know, someone where you're like, yeah, da da. And he, he doesn't look like he's attempting to ballet dance through a room filled with dog vomit. Which I think is the problem that comes with too much articulation. For me, you have to have some up to a point. But when my kid and I play, even if you're if you're playing with something that has no articulation at all, mm-hmm. a statue of something, you can still hop it around and you can have it go. Hello, oh, sure. I'm red tornado. Hello. My my daughter was playing with the mini mates, and uh, at one point she came over to me, Daddy, it's horrible. I'm like, what? She's like, the Joker switched brains with Batman and she stuck the <laughs> Joker head on Batman. Like, and now his evil plan is to be evil as Batman. I'm like, you are my child. And, uh, and it was one of those things where based on what that toy did, she came up with the plot. Right. That was fun. And because that toy, you know, was, was able to do that one thing. I would say that no articulation wouldn't have been near as much fun. She never would have thought of brain swapping. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if you have too much articulation, it you, you might spend all your time trying to figure out why the Joker's head keeps falling off or, you know, why Iron Fist is doing that weird thing that he does. You know, I think you, you had one where he was sitting in like a lotus position. Yep. And it's going, yo, what's with up? His, with his thumb up, he's like, sup? sup. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's too much. That's why I love if that kind of posability. Figure, <laughs> if you can so, put your figure in a lotus position, yeah. No, no. Here's here's the here's the here's the kicker. If you could put the figure comfortably and believably on a motorcycle, mm-hmm. in a pose where he's on a motorcycle, that is exactly enough articulation. Mm-hmm. That is exactly the amount of articulation that you need. If you can put them to where they're, they're, the joints in the hips are such where you bend the legs, they don't look ridiculous. They can put their hands out in front of them in a believable manner and hold their hands in a way that they would be on a motorcycle. You have enough articulation. More than that is too much. What and about size wise? After that, you can just oh. take your, uh, you can take your, um, JLU figure mm-hmm. and put that guy in the sidecar. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, and standing up because the JLU the figures don't ah! really, yeah, straight up. Uh, yeah, oh, the JLU yeah, figures right. are they don't awesome. Even bend their legs. The JLU figures are awesome, uh, but they they have five points of articulation: head, shoulders, legs. That's it. Some of the figures, He's though, depending on when they were made. At one point, Mattel experimented with knee joint and elbow jo- elbow joints, so you can find a Superman and a Batman and a Wonder Woman that have those joints, but for the most part, it is the five points, and that is it, but people still love okay. those toys. The The other First question all, I was going to... This gonna, is a show for everyone, so we need to start saying sandwiches. Yes. Um, what about size-wise? Do you like to have all your figures all the three and three quarter inch or the all five inch or the all seven inch or the all eight and a half inch or do you care about fitting into that same Scale? property? 
Yeah, it's the same scale because my son does not give a care about that. He's playing with a little yeah. mini mate Star Wars uh, stormtrooper, and then he's got uh, the the Mattel DC Kids Batman fighting with a um, Ben Ten hero factory uh character and they're not on the same scale with one another and he doesn't have a problem with it and you want to grab him and shake him and go no what is wrong with you quit playing wrong you terrible terrible boy this would never happen the copyright (laughs) implications are enormous (laughs) when i was a young boy I had a series of of, of uh, several figures that I used to play with, and um, I believe one was an actual old school GI Joe with Kung Fu grip, but it was old enough that it had lost like both of his legs and one of his arms. So it was more like you mm-hmm. know GI Joe Fourth uh, Born on the Fourth of July edition, and you know I had these different figures, and they're all different scales, and I I put them in like a one eighteenth scale Volkswagen Rabbit. And uh, they were accompanied by clay uh, representations of the robots from the black hole because you can't find action figures of those um, anywhere. And it didn't matter because that wasn't the point of, you know, what was going on. They were saving the universe in a Volkswagen rabbit. Uh You know, the Luke Skywalker at what, two and three and a quarter, those Luke Skywalker figures did perfectly fine hanging out with uh, the giant G.I. Joes or. You know, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle figures that are five inches tall Mm -hmm. still fought just as well with my eight-inch Power Rangers. This wasn't when I was a kid, though. This was when I was in college. Yeah, this was last week. But, you know, they they (laughs) – no. My Power Rangers are still up. I don't have a shelf for them. But, yeah, I don't think that the scale is important because much as the Joker stole Batman's body and put his brain in Batman's head, you know, two words, pim particles. Mm Mm-hmm. Sure. Boom, Rodrigo. But uh, Rodrigo, what uh, about you? It was the same thing for me. I had a really, um, really modly assortment of toys. Um, my parents really started uh, hitting on that He-Man stuff after a while. But even then, I got a lot of toys from my uncles. From you know, they just outgrew their toys and ended up giving them to me. Mm-hmm. And. So really my party in, in kind of in the way that Matthew had his was that B guy from He-Man, <laughs> um, the, the Star Wars, um, Nub Nub. I think that's nine, his name. Nine, nine Nub. Nine Nub. That's his name. Nub Nub is like the song that you walk sing. Nub Nub. Um, and an orange goat and whatever my little ponies I could steal from my sister. But, and, and I'm talking like a, an orange plastic animal that like comes out of an egg you know like yeah. at a yeah. supermarket you put in like however many orange, an orange yeah. goat like that goat i remember had this really sharp edge where the both of the pieces of plastic were poured in or where it was like poured together into the mold or something like that but it just yeah. had like this edge and I, it was a razor goat <laughs> and those guys you know ran around and fought <laughs> Fun monsters on Castle Grayskull, and you know, if you even if you look at Castle Grayskull, it wasn't to scale with the He-Man figures because mm-hmm. they were too big. Mm-hmm. So it was just kind of, you know, already already the proportion was all thrown off. And when when we were kids, Steve, and you know, probably about the early '80s, you remember when Transformers I was never came. a child in the '80s. 
<laughs> Shut your hole. I was the Transformers toys. Of an angry old man. Yep. The Transformers toys in America were actually a combination of three different lines of toys. Right. So guys like uh, Megatron and mm-hmm. Soundwave and Perceptor yep. came from one line of toys where they, you know, they turned into realistic things that were in scale, sort of. And then, of course, there were the little figures like Bumblebee and Cliff Jumper mm-hmm. and the weird Bumble Jumper, which is actually a melange of the two. Those were a second toy line. And guys like Optimus Prime and Ironhide and, you know, uh, Sideswipe. We always called him something different when I was a kid. Um, they all came from a third line of toys. They were not in the same scale. They weren't even from, you know, the same planet. There was no way. That this happened. And you know what they did? They made a cartoon and they broke the laws of physics every time Megatron and Soundwave transformed. And it was awesome. It was freaking awesome. If you look at if you look at the Generation One Transformers cartoon, it really, really is kind of like two kids, one's playing the Decepticons and one's playing the Autobots, and they're just playing. And none, because none of that stuff makes sense. It doesn't make the, a lick of sense dramatically. The, the level of one-upsmanship of both sides is kind of like what kids would do. Like, haha, we have we have cornered you in this canyon. Oh yeah. Well, we have the ultimate cannon now. And then comes a toy from a completely different toy line. Yep. And starts pew, going. Pew. <laughs> yep. Exactly. Yep. And they're all voiced by Chris Latta, and yep. you know. Uh, that I think is quintessentially the the er example for me of why not only does scale not matter, I don't want my kid to ever think that it should matter, and I don't want her to think that she has to walk down the pink and purple aisle if she wants something to play with. You know what what they've done at our Walmart with? store. She should be able to find something that entertains her. Hmm. What they've done at our Walmart store is at one point. Now I think they've. Uh, reorganized again. But at one point you had one side of the aisle were the pink girl toys and on the other side of the aisle were boy toys. And so you had, you know, you would have to walk through and it wasn't like this aisle is only for girls. This aisle is only for boys. You have, you know, your Legos and your Barbies in the same aisle together. And they're, they were really trying to, I don't know if they were trying to intentionally, but it was like they were trying to blur that, that, um, you know, that line right. of these are the, yeah, this is only, know, for also, this is only for boys. It's Hayes, yeah. Kansas, and they had limited amount of space. And yeah, well, I think too. that's, or they didn't have like enough toys to fill out a whole toy aisle, you know, it is, um, Hayes. but yeah, I think, you know, toys like Legos, there's Legos aren't strictly for boys. I think they're more marketed to boys. Certainly. Right. If you look at the properties that they end up picking up. Right. Um, but Again, you know, there's nothing saying that you can't build whatever you want out of Legos. Mm-hmm, so it's mm-hmm. it's a smart move to to put the Legos in between. And and you do see that. You see that a lot of the time it's like boys toys, then like board games or like yeah. Rubik's Cube type stuff right. or like building material type games. And then the girl stuff so that right. at least accidentally both sides will end up buying those toys in the middle. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think it's that weird. There are people who are very offended by the gender politics of toys. And I think that honestly, you may be overthinking it a little bit. And, and certainly not that you're not entitled 
to your frustrations and anger. But I think that people are going to gravitate towards what entertains them. I don't know how or why, but I have three action figures representing an infinite crisis OMAC in three different scales. And I got to tell you, I hate the infinite crisis OMAC. Hate the character, hate the design, hate it all. But I have these action figures, and I'll be darned if he doesn't make a fun action figure to play with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, he's got that big thing on his back. And when, when I was younger, I was limited to, you know, what I, what I basically could buy at the TGNY. You know, so you, you wouldn't necessarily be able to work in scale. You, you know, if you, you went and you bought like, like my spaceship that happened to also be a Volkswagen Beetle or a Volkswagen Rabbit, rather, that's, that's what you worked with. You know, you bought something and you, you played with it and you dealt with it and it didn't necessarily matter. I had Barbie dolls and I had Ken dolls, you know, my Barbie dolls generally were driving the car and, you know, Ken was doing whatever Ken would do and driving the car off the end of the thing. Barbie was an excellent driver. And uh, my my yard actually had a, a drainage ditch through it, so occasionally Barbie and Ken would get in the drainage ditch, and they'd end up half a mile away in the cemetery. But huh? <laughs> we lived across the street from the cemetery, by the way. So that was fun. I think what I'm trying to say here is I hate sauerkraut. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's move on then. Hi, this is Scott, and I have a question about various continuities in the DC Universe. I know that the new DC timeline has something to do with Flashpoint, but I'm not sure how. Please explain. Well, when, uh, as far as I, as far as I remember, as far as I remember, Barry Allen came back and screwed everything up for everybody. At the same time, so did uh, Professor Zoom, or the reverse Flash, who went back in time and changed the timeline to create the Flashpoint universe, essentially. Barry Allen tried to fix it. Kaboom, kabam, kabloom. New universe. Incorrect. Close enough. Incorrect. (laughs) Barry Allen did come back from the dead. Professor Zoom did come back from the dead. Yes. What created the Flashpoint universe was Barry Allen himself going back in time to save his mother. That's right. Thereby creating the alternate timeline. When Barry went to try and fix the timeline in that third, that Flashpoint universe, he was hit by the mysterious hooded woman that Stephen calls Strange Hands. Um, and she told them, oh, no, you have to fix it. And at that point, the Flash saw three different timelines, the DC mm-hmm. universe, uh, Jim Lee's Wildstorm books, and the Vertigo universe. Vertigo. And he merged with his younger self, ran back in time, and boom, exploded into a brand new universe. And again, woke up in this brand new world where, you know, things are different, but also different. So the last issue of Flashpoint had Barry trying to fix the universe that he himself broke and inadvertently creating a third universe. I was reading Wonder Woman for a while, a few years back when the Amazons Mm -hmm. were all banished and Wonder Woman was dating the nemesis guy. And I actually liked it to my surprise. But then everything changed mm-hmm. suddenly, and suddenly Wonder Woman wore pants and a jacket, and she was younger and didn't have all her powers, and there didn't seem to be any other super beings in her world, and she seemed to have a new history. It was odd, since I was following some Brightest Day books like Justice League, and suddenly the main DCU universe had... What is it? Got lost here in this sentence. 
had no memory of her, but he did. Uh, this would be uh, the mm-hmm. Maxwell Lord character. That, this went on for a while, yeah, and then the new right. 52 happened, and without any explanation, Wonder Woman has yet another continuity without resolving anything from the last two continuities. I never received an explanation on mm-hmm. what happened to normal Wonder Woman continuity before the short-lived Pants era. And they did about the newer, it. To an extent. She was in another universe. No. Yes. She was in the DC universe. Um, the Greek, well, I don't know if they're Greek or Roman. The gods of Wonder Woman's pantheon went back in time and basically futzed with her time stream, which caused the history of the Amazons to be different, which caused the history of Hippolyta and thus, by extension, Wonder Woman to be different. So at the end of Odyssey, which ran from Wonder Woman volume, well, three, number 600 through about number 614, Wonder Woman had discovered that things had been changed. She came to terms with it all, blah, 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 blah. But that story ended just as Flashpoint kicked off. Mm -hmm. So Wonder Woman kicked into another alternate universe and then rebooted into the new 52. But at the end of that Wonder Woman volume, which is, I think, essentially volume three, they did come to grips with the fact that her timeline had been changed right causing ripples through the timeline and i don't know if that was intentionally designed to lead us to flashpoint but i'll tell you two words how it happened and those two words are stunt casting basically they wanted j michael straczynski Straczynski, to come over from marvel they offered straczynski control of superman and wonder woman their big tier characters to get him off of thor he went on. He he went on to write Superman Earth One, which was a g- huge success and also set in another uh, dimension. And you know, I'm, Matthew, I'm I'm going to bet that that it wasn't intentional to shunt uh, Wonder mm. Woman into an alternate universe prior to the relaunch. I and I know she some was not in an probably, alternate universe. She was in the DC universe, but there was no Superman. There because was no she, Batman. And nobody had there known was a Superman, there was a Batman, and she met both of them. How come they didn't during know the of arc? Because the Greek gods messed with the timeline. Have you never oh, read an issue of Legion of Superheroes? Stupid time travel. But I, you know, the <laughs> the the notion that this was the um, like a test bed for the new Fifty Two. I don't think I follow that line of thought that some people put out there. No, no. Really, I think what it was is the, for whatever reason, the previous run on Wonder Woman, which was the Gail Simone run, wasn't right. it? Right. Yep. Um, ended before the new 52 started. And rather than, you know, necessarily launch or, or, or continuing that or doing something else, they gave, uh, Straczynski this, playground of 10 issues or however long it was um to do something new with the character since they probably already knew she was going to get rebooted anyway Mm -hmm. i would say that they certainly expected that it could happen i think honestly what that not necessarily so much as a an intentional trial balloon but i've always said that where goeth the Legion goeth the DC universe. You'll note that the Legion inexplicably rebooted into a whole new reality way back in 2005. Right. And now five, six, seven years later, the rest of the DC universe has gone, Oh, well let's do that. 
I think that rebooting timelines or changing universes or changing timelines to fit the story that we want to tell is going to be the equivalent of radiation to Stan Lee. Because if you think about how many stories in the last four or five years are based on we, you know, we screwed with the timeline or we reset the timeline, you know, going back even another dozen years, going back to zero hour, mm-hmm. changing the time stream so that what you want to have happened happened while you can simply say, oh, well, it turns out that that thing that you wanted to have happen didn't happen because I don't want to write about it. Well, you know, you know, that. Scott says, you know, I know you guys probably don't follow her stories. Well, we kind of follow her. Matthew probably more than me. And I'm more in a broad stroke kind of view because, quite frankly, the reason why uh, Wonder Woman wasn't working was because a lot of people were confused. There was the initial, oh, she's got pants. And then people were like, this doesn't make any sense. And a lot of them left. Uh, And same way with Flashpoint. A lot of people were really disappointed in what happened in Flashpoint. And so well, don't, don't feel bad if things get problem. confusing. I mean, in 10 years, you're going to have the same question. Maybe even five years, you're going to have the same question going, what happened to my Justice League? What happened to the Legion? What happened to, you know, what? why is this all different? Eh, time get used to it. Uh, Wonder Woman Odyssey had the same problem that Superman Grounded had in that it had a really good high concept hook, but then there weren't, they weren't moving for anything specific. It was just... Here's a new, you know, here's a new status quo with which to play and mm-hmm. not necessarily a whole lot of drive to get anything done. Right. You know, it's just we've built this universe and we don't necessarily know what stories we're going to tell. We don't have a plan for it. Right. Mm-hmm. But this is, you know, this is the new thing. And, you know, Wonder Woman's pants costume was actually not terrible. No, no it, was it, was I it was off. I liked it. It was fine. All right, everybody, that wraps it up for this issue. Thank you for joining us next time on the show. Old Man Logan. Why? God, if I know. But we know that you love comics, and we do too, and we will talk with you soon. If you have any questions, comments, topic ideas for future shows, or would like to sponsor a show, send an email to podcast at Majorspoilers.com. Visit Majorspoilers at Majorspoilers.com, and be sure to check out the Major Spoilers forum. You can also follow Major Spoilers on Twitter at twitter.com slash majorspoilers and on MySpace at myspace.com slash majorspoilers. Fat Dick's revision of Superman. I could save a few bucks and stand around and read through the covers of the comics on the stand. But although every other page would be backwards, I suppose, I could still read the evens and the odds. Well, I don't know. Guess I haven't thought this all the way through. Plus, as soon as the comic book store guy knew, they kicked my butt out on the corner. What a major spoiler. What a major spoiler. Way. If I was hulking green or gray, I could just bust through that brick wall, take their comic books away. But then the little meat would deal with all the tanks and bombs and guns. Have you ever tried to read a series with all that going on? Guess I need to rethink this plan. How would I back and board my comics with such huge hands? Guess I already told ya. What a major spoiler. What a major spoiler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What a major spoiler. It's like a man.
can of iron Might not be surprised to find That I might actually have the heart cold To follow an entire storyline But would I really even need To read upon all those escapades I mean, who needs such distractions When your sister's such a babe But the downside is such a beast Being shot up in a fun be in the Middle East With a King Santo and soldier What a major spoiler Spoiler. Major Spoilers is copyright 2012.